You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Probably most of you don't know what that is about, but um, when uh, the city campus many years ago, uh, they were in financial trouble. They were in danger of losing the facility in there, which is an amazing facility in the heart of the city. And uh, so uh, they became a campus of, of our uh, church here. And uh, they were in, in heading in towards debt. And um, so over the about a 10-year period, uh, this congregation here contributed in around about $100,000 a year just to keep the city congregation afloat. And uh, we never told them, about, uh, people in the congregation there weren't aware of it or anything like that. It's just something we did. So like it's over a million dollars went in there to uh, keep that congregation uh, afloat. This year for their vision offering, uh, Pastor Mike said to the congregation, said, look, you know, we should honor the Botany Campus for what they've done for us. Why don't we give our vision offering this year instead of spending it on ourselves, let's give it into the Botany Campus. They're in a building program and let's them help them. And so that's what that was about. And so they took up their offering and uh, have donated it uh, into uh, the extensions that we're doing in this place here. Someone in the city gave $100,000. Amazing. And uh, Pastor Steve said to Pastor Mike, are you, are you sure you still want to do that? <laughs> you know, he might have changed his mind after that. Anyway, uh, Pastor Steve is not up in Whangarei, as he said on the video. Uh, he ended up with a tummy bag uh, last night and vomiting and feeling crook. And so uh, Bex has had to go up there and take his place today. So Pastor Steve, if you're watching online, get well soon. But please don't come and visit any of us, okay? We don't, <laughs> we don't want your bugs. Keep it to yourself, all right? Where you come in here, it's looking more like a building site every time I turn up, and they're like scaffolding all over the place. And uh, it reminded me of our, our early days. And I remember we, we were meeting up in the Howick Intermediate School Hall, and uh, the shell was up. There was no lining on the walls or the ceiling, no carpet on the floor, no stage. We had cardboard covering some of the electrical uh, wires. But we thought, we're going to have church in our new building. And uh, so we came down here. We got borrowed some of uh, those uh, chairs, those pews that uh, from uh, Pakaranga College, you know, the backbreaker ones that you sit in them. And uh, we borrowed those. We put them out. And we had church on a Sunday morning. It was just amazing in the new building. The council must have heard about it because the Monday morning, the inspector was around here, like real quick, first thing in the morning, hey, but, uh, but we'd cleaned up by then. There was, there was no sign of us having been here at all. It was just uh, totally like a building site again. And uh, so anyway, I don't know. I presume we're allowed in here, but uh, anyway, we're, we're having church, aren't we? We're only having church, which is just great to be uh, in the facility, hopefully not like this for too much longer. Well, we're doing a series on foreshadowing Jesus seen in the Old Testament. And so we find that the Old Testament essentially is a giant setup. It's just pointing to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I want us today just to go right back to the very beginning, see if we can look at some shadows in the Old Testament there, pointing to what Jesus did on the cross on Calvary. And so I want to go right back to the very beginning uh, to Genesis. And the Bible is not a book about prehistoric man. There may have been a prehistoric man. I don't know. Bible doesn't talk about it. It is not a book, a book about whether there's life on another planet. Maybe life on another planet. I don't know. 
The Bible doesn't talk about it. Uh, the Bible is God's plan of salvation for the human race. It's talking about mankind, not talking about anyone else and aliens or whatever it else it may be. And so if the centerpiece of God's plan of salvation for mankind is Christ's death on the cross on Calvary, then surely the Bible would speak about it right from the very beginning and continue to speak about it right through the whole Bible. And that's what this series uh, is about. And so if you've got your notes here, we'll go to Genesis in chapter 3, where Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says, At that moment their eyes were open. they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And then down to verse 17, And to the man he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All of your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return." Then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. There's some amazing pictures just in that passage alone that we could talk about. They sewed fig leaves together uh, to cover themselves. The ground is cursed. The Lord God made clothing from animal skins uh, for Adam and his wife. But uh, we'll get back to that. But I don't want to stop there at a moment. I want to go on into the next chapter where it talks about the story about their two sons Cain and Abel so in chapter 4 and verse 1 it says this it says now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and when she gave birth to Cain she said with the Lord's help I have produced a man later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel when they grew up Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground when it was time for the harvest Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord Abel also brought a gift the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry. He looked dejected. Why are you angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. You must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And so we find that Eve initially, she had two sons. She had other children, which we are not told about. But these were the first two children uh, that she had. Doesn't tell us anything about them, their childhood, learning to walk, learning to talk. It doesn't say anything about playing with their toys, doesn't say they went out and played cricket or played footy or uh, did, you know, went fishing or did all those other important things in life, doesn't say anything about that. What it talks about is what they did for their work. One minute Abel's a baby and then the rest of his life is just ignored and the next we read about him, he is a shepherd taking care of sheep and Cain is a tiller of the ground. Now, if the Bible only tells us about his work, it is not because work is the most important thing in life. Your job is not the most important thing you do. It's so the reason that he tells us about his work has nothing to do with that at all. Uh, there's a reason that he tells us. God missed a whole lot of things because it is not important for us to know. 
wasn't important for us to know about his childhood. We don't need to know about other brothers and sisters and that he may have had. But why does the Bible talk about his work? Well, it's important that we know because what they do for a living, because Abel is the first shepherd. It is the first time that we hear the word shepherd mentioned in the scriptures. Later on, David, he wrote that the Lord is my shepherd. Abel is a type of the Lord as a shepherd. There's a law when you're interpreting the Bible. It's called the law of first mention. You go back when you're reading the Bible about something and, and, and it says, okay, hmm, I wonder what that really means. So the law of first mention, you go back to the first time that, that whatever it is is mentioned in Scripture and you will get some understanding of what God intended by that particular word. And so this is the first time in which the word shepherd is used. His occupation here validates that he is the first shepherd, he is the good shepherd, he ended up laying down his life. See, the Lord is my shepherd. And so Eve had the first two children, she had a shepherd and she had a tiller of the ground and they both came and they both offered, brought an offering to the Lord. Let's take some lessons uh, out of the story here. First thing I want to suggest to you is this. God may reject your offering. God may reject your offering. Just because somebody brings you something, it doesn't mean that you have to receive it. Say, so you, you could come to me and you, you could offer me a, a, a nice dish, but it's got coriander in it. <laughs> I would say, no thanks. Some of the really nice Indian dishes are spoiled by putting coriander in them. Maybe that's why Pastor Steve's not well. I'm not sure, but <laughs> you, you could bring me a, a, a nice cooked dish. You put a lot of time and effort into it. I'm not keen on coriander, so I just turn it down. I just say, oh, no, no thanks. And, and you get really offended with me. You get really angry. You say, well, I put a lot of work into this. I was trying to be considerate. I was trying to be thoughtful. I put all this work. You should be grateful for what you get. They say to a waiter, man's heart is through his stomach. Coriander does not cut it for me. I tell you now, it just does not work for me. I noticed on April, uh, on April the 1st uh, that um, Subway had an ad advertising coriander cookies. Which, uh, look, there they are, look. Man, that would have to be a joke, wouldn't it? They're like, that's April, that's April Fool's Day, that one. Coriander cookies, oh, yuck. Couldn't think of anything worse, you know. See, God doesn't have to accept the offering that you bring to him. See, it, there, there are offerings that are not acceptable to the Lord. We approach, approach him on his terms, not on our own terms. And so we find that Cain was a tiller of the ground. The problem of being a tiller of the ground is that the ground was cursed. We read earlier of Adam and Eve where God cursed the ground. And so Cain brings to God his work. And if God receives Cain's work, well, then the root of our faith would have to be changed. Then it would have to be adjusted. Instead of being saved by faith, we would be saved by works. And if we accepted by God and enter heaven by our works, then all of us would be competing with each other so that we can get to heaven, so that we can boast about who did the most works, who did the best, who did the most works to get into heaven. So the Bible says that it's not by works, lest any man should boast. So when Cain brings the fruit of the ground to the Lord, God doesn't have respect for it. He doesn't honor it. Uh, he, he doesn't destroy it. He just doesn't honor it uh, because that is not the way to get access to God. 
Hebrews chapter 11, it says, the great chapter on faith here, it says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than what Cain did. Abel offered up blood, the best portions of the firstborn of the lambs of his flock. See, God wants us to understand that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no access to God without the shedding of blood. You may kind of think, oh, that's a bit tough on Cain. Like, how did he know? Like, he's, he's just trying to do his best there. How, how did he know? He would have known. We go back right to that first reading that we had about Adam and Eve right at the very beginning in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 7. It said, at that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And then God comes along, and God says, no, that is not good enough. So God replaces the, lo- the clothes that they made for themselves. It says here in verse 21, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. See, God had taught his father Adam that, and, and so in turn, they would have taught their children. And so Adam and Eve, they sowed fig leaves. They're trying to cover themselves with the fruit of the ground. And God's teaching in Adam and Eve that is the, the trouble is that when you're trying to cover yourself with the fruit of the ground, the problem is with sin. Sin separates you from me. And the only way that you can separate, separation from God means death. And so the only way that you can come back, there needs to be life that is given so that you can come back and have access again in my presence. And so when you're covering yourself with something from the ground, the problem is as soon as they cut it, then it's starting to die. It's starting to wither. If you try to cover yourself with something that is withering, it could be embarrassing, couldn't it? It could be really embarrassing. And so, you know, that is not a way to get to God. And so this was not Cain's first lesson. It's not something that he just did and made a mistake or anything like that. He was copying his father. He was making the same mistake that his father had made. And and the reason that God was upset with him is that he should have known better. But we find that the sins of the father were being passed on to the son. And Adam and Eve had been taught without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. God covered them with animal skins. Some a life had to be killed so that they could have a covering over them. God killed an innocent animal. We don't know what kind of animal it was, but when we get over into chapter 4 of, of Genesis, we know that that animal was a lamb because it talks about Abel as a shepherd, and Abel brings an offering from his flock. We're gaining some insight here right at the very beginning about God's strategy for humanity. So we know the animal is a lamb that covered Adam and Eve's nakedness and that the life that they now live, they live instead of that animal. See, this is the first mention of substitution in the Bible. Here's a shadow of Calvary where Jesus traded places with you and I. He became a substitute for us. He died instead of in our place where we should have died because of our sin. He says, now when you go, to, go before my father, you come and you bring an offering. You come before my God. Since you're covered in the blood, you don't come to the Father and say, Hi, Luke, bro, here. Uh, you know, I, I want to talk to you, God. No, he says, When you come to the Father, he says, Whatever you ask in my name, we are now Christians. We are Christ ones. We are now in Christ so that we can come to the Father because when he looks at us, he sees the blood of Jesus that has cleansed us and made us acceptable to come to him. And so Abel Abel brings this sacrifice, a little lamb, the best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock. He slits its throat. He kills it. He offers it up to God. And the Bible says that God was well pleased. Why? Because the blood 
is a shadow of what he's trying to teach us all through the Bible. The blood is all through the book. The book. There is an offering that God will accept. So the second thing I want to suggest to you uh, in your notes, taking notes, is don't be angry with God. Change. Don't be angry with God. Change. You notice a Cain's reaction? When his offering's not accepted, he's angry. He probably shocked that God wouldn't accept his best efforts. That shock became anger. Why don't you accept what I've done? Look, I've tried my best. I've done my best. Why don't you accept what I've done for you? It says there in chapter 4 and verse 9, it says, And afterwards the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know. Cain responded, Am I my brother's guardian? Am I my brother's keeper? You can see the attitude that's there in his voice about it. Uh, and, but the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. See, he killed Abel. He thought, well, I've killed the body. I've got rid of him. But God is saying, your brother's blood cries out to me. I didn't even know that blood could speak. God is saying, blood is crying out. I didn't know that blood could talk. But God is teaching me that in the spirit, blood can speak. Before God, when I come before God, the blood is my attorney. The blood pleads my case. The blood intercedes for me. The blood is my covering. The blood is my protection. The blood uh, is talking. When I come before God, the blood is talking on my behalf. When the devil tries to make you feel guilty, the blood says you are free from condemnation. When he tries to tell you that you're in bondage, the blood tells you that you are free. When he tries to says you are sick, the blood says that by the stripes of Jesus we have been healed. When people look at you and say you're cursed or you're stupid or you're dumb or you never give a amount to anything, you'll never be anybody, it doesn't matter what they say because the blood will always have the last word. The blood says I'm received by God because I am in Christ. God looks at me, he doesn't look at my sinfulness, he looks at Christ's holiness. He doesn't look at the, the wages of sinner's death, but he looks that Jesus Christ died in my place. Blood has been shed on my behalf. See, the blood can talk. It's not that it just covers, it talks, it intercedes. When I have no voice, it speaks for me. No wonder Jesus carried it to the mercy seat. It speaks for me. Cain got angry. You know, sometimes we get angry when we feel that something's not fair. And God said to him, don't get angry, change. Verse 6 and 7, why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But he says, you know, if you don't get control of the situation, if, if, if you don't start doing the right thing, says sin is crouching at the door. So true, isn't it? If you keep your anger, if you keep, if you keep brooding on it, if you don't let it go, you know, if you don't do the right thing, sin is crouching at the door. It's going to come back. It's going to bite you. It's going to get you in some way. God says you better do what is right. You know, you, sin's waiting for you. You'll do something that you regret if you don't uh, adjust to it. God's trying to teach Cain that through the offerings that salvation is not by works, but it's by faith. Bible teaching us, see, we don't get to heaven by our own works. We can't reach God by building a tower up into heaven, which they tried to do uh, in chapter 12, a few chapters, uh, chapter 11, a few chapters over. doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or Jew or Gentile, black or white. We're all equal before God. We're all sinners saved by grace. You know, look around you and see the different nationalities that are represented here. A few years ago, we did a, um, a count-up of how many nationalities were represented in the church. This was quite a few years ago, and we had over 60 
I don't know how many there would be now, but it doesn't make any difference. We are all sinners saved by grace. No one is any better than, than the other. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We are all the same when we stand before God. If you've got a wrong attitude, don't get angry. Humble yourself and do things God's way. You know, God is not obligated to bless your brilliant ideas. You know, he's smarter than you anyway. His ideas are probably a lot better than your ideas. You know, you're a product of his handiwork. He's not a product of your handiwork. You're a product of his handiwork. You know, maybe you attended church. Maybe you gave some money. Maybe you did something in church or you just, you didn't think it went the right way. Maybe you didn't think it was appreciated or maybe you got upset about something that was happening in church and you were disappointed and, and uh, you get disappointed so you storm out of the house. It would be like the two uh, sons and the prodigal son. You, know, you got the two sons there and one was rebellious. He stormed out of the house in rebellion. He said, I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm gone. The other one had a bad attitude though with the father. He stayed in the house but he stayed in the house with a bad attitude. Yeah, we can, we can be like that in the house of God. We can say, oh, blow the church, I'm out of here, I'm gone. You know, something didn't go the way I thought it would, I'm, I'm gone. Or we can be like the other one, we can just stay in the house and be a grump in the house, you know. <laughs> be like that forever, make everybody miserable, you know, <laughs> whatever. It's not about you, it's about God, you know. Don't be angry, change is what God says. Third thing I want to suggest is offering speak of our salvation. Why was Abel's sacrifice accepted and Cain's rejected? There's a theme that just runs through the whole length of the Bible that can be summed up with this declaration. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You have to offer life for life. It has to be a living sacrifice. Hebrews tells us that Abel still speaks Thousands of years later, Abel still speaks. He speaks to us about the right way to, become a God, to come to God. The right way to be able to be accepted by God is through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the right way to live a Christian life is to be a living sacrifice. It says here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul, he says, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable this is truly the way to worship him we come to God and say God I give my life to you Cain however rejected that approach he was a worker of the ground he had toiled hard sweat would have been coming off his brow and out there in the hot suns he had grown these crops they look really beautiful and so he was now bringing what he thought was the labor of his of his hands that God would accept it he had heard, no doubt, from his father that the right way to come to God was through blood, but he says, who cares about that? You know, I've worked hard. This should be good. This should be acceptable to God. Uh, you know, he, he should appreciate the hard effort, the hard work, everything that I've done for him. He should accept that. What a mistake to make. You can make a lot of mistakes in life and get away with it, but this is one that you cannot get away with. A large part of mankind believe that by doing good works, by trying hard, by live, trying to live a right life, by trying to please whatever God that they think is out there, that when they get to the end of their life, that everything will be okay. The Bible tells us, however, in Judah says, woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Woe to them, because they have gone the way of Cain. 
Abel, the first shepherd. His offering cost him his life. His life points to the great shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who not only was the great shepherd, but he became the Lamb of God, who gave his life to take away the sin of the world. There was a church gathering, and uh, they're having a bit of a social night, and uh, different ones were getting up and sharing their talent, and I'm sure if Rob had been there, Rob would have been singing, and so on, and Mr. Jones, he was very good. He had a, like a real Shakespearean uh, voice. And so he got up and he recited Psalm 23 uh, for the audience there. It was so good. So the oratory was brilliant. Everyone just applauded and clapped him at the end of them. Oh, Smitty the farmer, he was there. And, and uh, they tried to encourage him to do something for the audience. But initially he refused. And he said, well, really, you know, I'm, I'm not much of a talker. And I can't recite like Mr. Jones. And... The only thing, the only part of scripture that I can remember is Psalm 23, and, and I can't say it like Mr. Jones said it though. And the pastor encouraged him, come on, get up and, and, and cheer. So he began. He began with Psalm 23, and he related how the psalm comforted him when his wife had died. And then he continued, he, he leads me beside still waters. And he talked about the time that there was a drought on the land, and it almost ruined him, but but God saw him through those dark times. And then Smithy related how he wanted to give up in desperation, but the comfort that he got from Psalm 23 uh, encouraged him instead just to lie down in green pastures. And he just unfolded his whole life before the audience and interwove it with scriptures out of Psalm 23, how it had comforted him and helped him, and he had learned to love these words because of the comfort that they had brought uh, to him. At the end of his recitation... Not a sound could be heard by anyone. Everyone was awed in silence. Finally, Mr. Jones got up. He said, I know Psalm 23. But Smitty here, he knows the shepherd of Psalm 23. Let me encourage you today. Do you know the shepherd of Psalm 23? The one who was the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Abel speaks to us about that right at the beginning of the Bible. He, is, he was a shepherd. He gave his life because of the offering that he brought. Jesus became the offering. He became the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Do you know, do you know the shepherd of Psalm 23? Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the truth that just shows right through the word of God that from the very, very beginning, you speak to us about your love. That even though we are weak, even though we are failed, even though we make mistakes, we do stuff like Adam and Eve and, and, and others have done all through history, that the love of God has planned to reconcile us and to bring us back to himself. Lord, your plan is there right through scripture. That you, God, so loved the world that you gave your only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, we just thank you for that love this morning. Amen. Church, can we thank Pastor Luke for that message? Well, I'd just like to pray one more prayer with us this morning. So with heads bowed and eyes closed. You know, God loves you. He made you. He's got a plan for you. But the truth is, is we all mess up. We all make mistakes. And the Bible calls that sin. And sin separates us from well, what a great God. message from Pastor Luke. 
I'm praying that it's impacted you in a, in a He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, cross for you and for I. And so I want to encourage you. You know, he did that for us. And when he did that, it meant that he didn't cancel us, but he canceled out our sin. And when he did that in his good grace, he gave us forgiveness for our past. He gave us a new life. He gave us hope for our future. And he gave us eternity in heaven. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to make a decision this morning to follow God, I'm going to just do one simple thing. I'm going to just pray a prayer out loud, and you can pray it right now in your hearts. Repeat after me. God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for taking away my sin. I choose to follow you afresh today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with heads still bowed, if you made that decision this morning, we want to say we're so proud of you. And I just want to encourage you to take one last step of faith this morning. What I want you to do in just a moment when I count to three is just slip up your hand if you're in the room or you can click the raise my hand button if you're watching online. I wanna encourage you just to do that. I'm not gonna stand you up. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out. But what I do wanna do is acknowledge the decision that you've made this morning. So come on, I'm gonna count to three in just a moment. And you're just gonna place up your hand for me to see that. One, two, three, hands going up now. Amazing. Thank you, God. I see you online. Just going to give one more moment. God, I thank you for every single person. Another one online. God, I thank you for every single person who made a decision this morning. God, I thank you that you've called them to this place on purpose today, that you called them home. God, I pray this week that you would make yourself so evident to them. God, would you make yourself so real to them as they seek you this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on church, can we celebrate everyone who made a decision this morning? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.